So we're getting sun back. Um, well, we are we are concluding our uh, conversation today. We've been in this conversation uh, drawn from the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' longest public address. And we've been looking at the middle part where Jesus has been talking about how to be perfect. He says, he says, you know, no pressure. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So we've been looking at a number of passages. And it, and in, in the one we look at today, Jesus tells us not to judge. And that may be the most puzzling of all. If, if you're not a church person or if, um, if you grew up and, and you kind of had an encounter with church people at some point and became one yourself, you may remember that kind of sense of, 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 uh, surprise that, that church people would be so judgmental. I think a lot of people have felt that the church people are judgmental. And I, I don't think that that's actually the case. I don't think church people are judgmental. I think what church people are is hypocritical because we know better. But I think everybody is judgmental. I think everybody is judgmental and I've got evidence for that. So let me, uh, let me tell you a little story from, from my background as a computer programmer. Uh, today we all talk about terabytes and gigabytes, right? We've heard those things. If you go to the store and you buy one of these, it'll be measured, you know, this is a 16 gigabyte thumb drive. So it's got 16 gigabytes, whatever a gigabyte is. Well, a gigabyte is a thousand megabytes. We used to talk about megabytes, but we moved on. Um, some of you are old enough to remember, we used to talk, before we talked about megabytes, we talked about kilobytes. But way back in the early days, people talked about bytes, and a byte is just eight bits. A bit is a binary digit. That's what the word actually means. It's a binary digit. It means that there's, there's only two choices, yes or no, one or zero, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a digit, so you can count on them and so forth. But it's basically one, one decision, one, one yes-no question. So um, some of you have encountered this. You've been working on your computer. You were working in a document, and it said, it said um, you've made changes. Do you want to save? Right? The reason is because the programmer put aside a little bit somewhere that said, have any changes been done? Have all they done is looked at the document? Then just go ahead and close it when they get done with it. But if they've made any changes, then you need to remember that because whatever those changes are, if they're big or small, we want to remember and say, wait, don't, don't close your window just yet. You want to save them first. So you've seen that sort of thing. Programmers use a lot of bits to answer yes, no questions. Just a simple yes, no question. Um, is this, is this document changed? Another example would be your, your program is, your, your computer is nagging you about installing up, upgrades. Mine nags me about seven or ten times a day that, you know, do I want to install upgrades right now? And the answer is, of course I don't want to right now, but it pesters me. So eventually I go around and I, I add the upgrades. And the first thing it says is it says, wait a minute, you don't have permissions. <clears throat> so I have to like type in my password or whatever to, to tell it. I now have permission. So again, there's a yes, no question. There's a, there's a yes, no question. Uh, do you have permission? And until I've given my password, I don't have permission. So the world of computer programming is filled with bits. And back in the 1990s, there was a book that came out by a guy named Jim McCarthy. He was a, a programming manager at Microsoft. This is the book, and <clears throat> it's called Dynamics of Software Development, but nobody remembers it for that name. It's actually still in print, which tells you it's a pretty significant book. For a 20-year-old computer book to be still in print is something. And everyone knows this. Everyone who knows this book at all doesn't know it by its official title. They know it by its subtitle, which is Don't Flip the Bozo Bit. And what, what he's saying there, the reason I kind of entertained you with the story of the early days of computing and so forth, is computer programmers, like other people, 
are prone to set to flip the bozo bit. That means you work with somebody and they promised that they'd have their part of the project done by a certain date and they didn't. And so you flip the bozo bit. You say, that person is unreliable. That person cannot be trusted. Or they, they disagree with your strategy for how to achieve a particular goal you're trying to do as a developer. You're trying to get it done this way and they say that's a bad idea and you disagree with them and so you flip the bozo bit. You decide that person is a bozo and there's just nothing for them. You're just going to have to kind of work around them. If they, if they propose something in a meeting, you need to be, you need to strategize a way to get around the bozo. And what Jim McCarthy says is don't do that. And that's really what Jesus says too. Jesus says, don't flip the bozo bit. He says, we can't extrapolate from the events of our interactions with other people from, we can't extrapolate from those events to to define the personality of another person. So Jesus says, don't do that. Like, you know, Jim, Jim McCarthy and Jesus both. So there you go. Um, uh, he says, don't flip the bozo bit. Now, now Jesus actually has two reasons, but the, the first set of reasons are the ones he talks about here. He's got, he's got very straightforward reasons that you don't have to be a church person. You don't have to believe in God. They're just practical wisdom. Everybody can understand why you wouldn't want to do that. So he says, don't judge so you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. He says, if you get, if you get a reputation, the way you interact with other people is you don't ever cut them any slack. That when they don't get their project done on time, you decide they're the kind of person who never gets their project on time. They're untrustworthy. That that's going to come back because someday people are going to look at you and say, well, hey, guess what? You didn't get your project done on time. That's just common wisdom. The measure you give will be the measure you get back. Jesus says, don't do it because you're setting a standard you may regret having set someday. So, so Jesus says that. Now Jesus is kind of artsy here. He doesn't say by whom. You know, as people of faith, we know that in the background is God, right? Ultimately, God is the, the arbiter of, of the world. But he's saying this is just, you know, everybody. That, that's gonna happen no matter who you're dealing with. So, so Jesus kind of just says, you will be judged. So, um, but then he goes on, he says, and this is a, an image he draws kind of from the carpentry shop. He says, he says, why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but not notice the log or the beam in some translations? The, the, the idea is that there's a small speck in your neighbor's eye and there's a big st- speck, there's, there's a big log in your eye. He says, he says, it's so hard to do well. We don't see things clearly. We've got a distorted perspective on exactly what's going on. When we look at our, ourselves, we don't see our faults clearly, but we have perfect clarity about all the extenuating circumstances. If there was a good reason why we didn't fulfill that thing we had promised to do, or, the, or we disagreed with somebody in a way that turned out to be false, um, we know all the circumstances. We know all the reasons. We have lots of excuses for why we, we sometimes fail. But we don't see that for the other person. And at the same time, we don't always see them clearly. Uh, we, we, we see them clear, more clearly than we see ourselves. We don't know what we're coming across as. We don't know where our faults are the way we can see the people across the breakfast table. We know, we know very clearly what all their faults are, but it's very hard to turn that mirror on ourselves and see ourselves. So Jesus says, Jesus says, says, why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye? Um, or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is your eye? It's very hard to see clearly exactly who's at fault and what their failings are, really are. 
And then he gives a, a, a very practical bit of advice. He says, you, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. I think that's, that's actually wonderful advice. If you haven't dealt with that particular problem, if you haven't tried to take a log out of your own eye, then maybe you're not the right person to talk to somebody else about the speck in theirs. That if you have that, then you have, you have empathy. You can say, look, I can relate to you, um, because that's a struggle I have. You know, I have a gambling addiction, and so I understand a little bit better where you're coming from. And let me tell you some of the things that, that have helped me or some of the ways that I've been able to have some success. That if you have actually taken the log out of your own eye, it puts you in a much better place to actually give people advice. So he says, he says, take the log out of your own advice and then you can talk about your neighbor's eye. Yeah. And then he, he concludes with maybe this is a third, a third example of why judging is bad. Maybe it's not. Actually, uh, translators and commentators are all split over verse six. It's, it's just kind of what's going on there. Maybe Jesus is changing the subject. In our, in our pew Bibles, I notice they actually have not only got a space between the previous paragraph and verse six, they actually give it a little separate heading. Uh, other people say, no, it's part of this discussion. Has Jesus moved on to a new topic or not? I think he's still on the same topic and he's saying, he's saying, but let's suppose. I think what Jesus is saying is, let's suppose somehow you overcome those practical objections. That somehow you have perfect clarity, you actually understand what's going on, you, you, you're able to give people a bit of perfect wisdom, wisdom right straight down from Mount Sinai. You can give holy advice to somebody. He says, they're probably not going to thank you for it. The people who most need that advice are going to be the ones who are least likely to thank you. So he says, do not give what is holy to dogs. Do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. So he says, on the off chance, somehow you've overcome these previous two, and you've actually got holy advice, then then uh, don't expect that they're going to thank you for that little bit of wisdom you gave them. So maybe that's not right. And again, people people differ over that. But But even if it's just the other two, Jesus says it's very hard to judge because... People, it'll come back around on you if you judge. And he says, he says, and it's very hard to do it fairly because you don't know the whole story. So that's kind of the practical. Everybody can, everybody can get behind that. You don't have to be a church person to, to, to do that. But there's a context that we're in, remember, which is that Jesus is telling us how we can be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. And Jesus wants us to remember we're not God. You know, we, we cannot see things clearly. You know, we're supposed to be perfect like God, but we have to realize if we're perfect like God, we know our limitations. God doesn't judge people. God doesn't draw a couple of uh, points on a graph and then try to draw a line between them and say, okay, you're a bozo or you're not a bozo. God doesn't do that because God knows the whole story. God knows exactly whether somebody's a bozo or not. He doesn't have to judge and make and leap to conclusions. God knows exactly the whole story. God is utterly fair. And in fact, in fact, the reality is when when we get to heaven, when we face the 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 white seat of judgment, um, everyone will agree that God was perfectly fair. The one thing you don't ever have to worry about is that God's going to miss that one extenuating circumstances. The reason that somehow the reason that somehow you have failed to meet the mark is because of your background or because of that thing that happened that time. God knows that all. And that the one thing you're guaranteed is that when you come before God in judgment, God will know the excuses better than you do. 
He will understand them better than you, and everyone, including you, will agree that God's judgment is fair. But beyond that, God's judgment is only half the picture. What Jesus wants us to remember is Jesus is never, uh, God is never just about justice. God is about mercy. Back a couple of, uh, uh, a couple of chapters back in the Old Testament, uh, the, the prophet tells us what God wants. What God wants is for us to do justice and love mercy and walk humbly with our God. All three of those things are in play here. God wants, uh, Jesus wants us to remember we're not God. We should walk humbly. We don't know the whole story. We should walk humbly. But if we're going to love justice, if we're going to get it exactly right, that person failed and they're a bozo, we also have to love mercy because God is all about mercy. You cannot separate the justice of God from God's mercy. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. Jesus came to save it. So Jesus tells us not to judge not simply because it's very hard to do well, but because judging is only half the picture. The other half is mercy. Jesus came because God is not all about judgment. So, what do we do about this? Well, don't judge. Don't judge other people. That's, that's really kind of the basic idea. Um, and, and there's good reasons why you shouldn't, because you don't know the whole story. You shouldn't flip the bozo bit, because you don't, you don't have enough data to do it well. That's, that's part of the reason. But the other reason is because it's ungodly. Our goal is not simply to be good at judging. Our goal is to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And God doesn't judge. God knows. And God is merciful. So there's, there's the personal application is that, is that we shouldn't judge. But I think we as the church bear some responsibility because there's a lot of people out there who look at Christians and somewhere or another they got the idea that Christians are judgmental. And I think we need to lean over backwards to make sure that people realize that that's not our job. We don't do it well. If we have been judgmental, it's because we've been hypocrites. And what we need to do is to is to be as loving as we are judgmental. There's something about us that makes it easy to judge and hard to be merciful. Jesus is saying reverse those. Dial back on the judging and crank up the mercy. So as a congregation... We need to do that as a church, as part of the greater church, we need to do it. The Apostle Paul, in one of his letters, the one we heard today, he, he gave us a rule of thumb that as church people, maybe will help us to do that well. He says, don't even judge people on the outside. That it's hard not to judge. We all do this. We all fail. Jesus tells us not to judge, but we do. So Paul says, here's, here's a bit of advice, practical wisdom, never judge anybody outside the church. Inside the church, there's kind of a compact. You're, you're brothers and sisters in Christ. You're part of the family of God's children. And you kind of implicitly give people permission to, to, to give each other criticism. To say, you know what, uh, you're not performing in this area the way you need to. You're not doing the things you need to do. You're not the kind of person you need to be. He says, in a church, maybe, there may be occasions where you can actually do that. But he says, outside the church, just don't judge. There's just no way we can judge well outside the church. So whether whether we're capable of doing that with everybody or whether we need that extra little tip from Paul, the lesson that Jesus gives us is not to judge. Not to judge because it's very hard to do well, but also because it's not godly. Don't judge. Don't flip the bozo bit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks 
that you are not a God who judges, that you are a God who sees with perfect clarity, who considers all the extenuating circumstances, and whose judgment will never be in question. But more than that, Lord, we give you thanks that you are a merciful God, that having seen the ways that we fail, the ways we don't even live up to our own standards, much less yours, that nevertheless, you love us and you have sent Christ so that we could have new life in him. We pray all these things in his name. Amen.